Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Is there any way we don't do a Silence of the Lambs reference in today's episode? No way in hell. I suppose that means it's a wine episode, though. Is there anything we can learn about Chianti today that doesn't involve fava beans? We'll find out as we uncork a bottle and have a drink. Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Hello. Hi, everybody. I also, also <laughs> just noticed the uh, it cracks or, yeah, cracks in my oh. Marty Moose glass. <laughs> oh no. Bullwinkle. Winewinkle. That's uh, it's the uh, Christmas vacation. The eggnog moose glasses. See, I said he wasn't gonna get it because he doesn't watch. He won't watch the movie. I, uh, you know, I, I don't want to watch. I won't. I refuse to drink wine out of a proper vessel. So that's I'll fine. I <laughs> look. I'm only drinking out of our uh, two thousand. Jesus, two thousand sixteen beer is giving glass. I know, right? <clears throat> yeah. While ago, I don't know what time is anymore. Well, uh, yours lead. is a proper glass. It, that was a wine glass. I mean, I'm drinking out of an, a moose eggnog glass. Hmm. I mean, I almost drank out of a tulip glass, and then it was like, oh, wait, I have the beer's giving glass. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, how's everybody doing? Um, yes, we are. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. So, we um, signed up for, because we got the discount, I guess. We did the HBO Max thing that just came out. There's a discount. It's if you had HBO before, like HBO Now or HBO, well, I guess it'd have to be HBO Now, um, through one of the select providers. Not if you had HBO Go, you could get the same deal. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know if it was just like... Or it's so confusing. Yeah, There's no way to whatever. know. If you but, had HBO, but you forgot to put your brother's coat on the left peg before... <laughs> I don't know. It, it gets weird how you get the deals. Yeah, it's a uh, wow. That's a that's a reference. Um, but yeah, it. I got an email basically, and there's a thing to get the discounted rate of. I uh, apparently already have it. Nice. Yeah. Because yeah. you already have it. Yeah. Because I um, pay through it through Google, and it's like, yeah, you. I was like, oh, clearly exactly, you remembered yeah. to put your brother's coat on the right peg before <laughs> you went to lunch. And... <laughs> well, now I have a whole streaming service. I have to. Yeah. Plum uh, so it's great and then horrible at the same time when I was like, Metalocalypse is on there. You <gasps> dive in and I'm like, oh God, the animation was so terrible and I didn't realize it. Uh, look, well, that yeah. that was all like bad early flash. Like the the yeah. like yeah. they they were meant to just stand there, not move, and just kind of talk to each other. That's yeah. except for the fact that uh it's a it's a point that in the animation when they're playing music all their movements and their fingers hit the actual fret points on the guitars. <laughs> of course. I mean, priorities in time. So that um, it is like, if you watch, like they hit all the actual fret spots on the guitars. But, um, but yeah, there's, so all the DC stuff, well, almost all, it's just like Disney plus where like not everything, like not the brand because new stuff is on there. They just got in, they got to try to fix everything. No, but... it's more confusing than Disney plus. It's much more confusing. You're on there going, Wait, what else on here? But what's not? I don't. I don't know. It, the the point is like trying to think about like what's it missing. But like because there's the, a, there's a bunch of like it's cr- like every picture is advertising Rick and Morty's here, and you go. But it's oh, not the new yes. season. It's not the new season. It's yeah. all the same crap that's on Hulu. Yeah. 
So we're just kind of like, do we keep Hulu or do we keep HBO Max, basically? Um, but so that that came out and we've got that. Although I'm still I'm a little annoyed that there still isn't a because um, we use the Fire TV as our main thing and the there isn't a Fire TV app yet for HBO Max. So that's whatever. But um, I was happy because we finally watched. Um, I'm sure we've mentioned this, but uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. We rented it and I forgot like. So all the Warner Brothers stuff is on HBO Max. Okay. So all the Harry Potter stuff is on there, plus the Fantastic <laughs> Beasts and the sequel to Fantastic Beasts. So I we can just like don't have to rent it. Yeah. Watch oh, it. Oh, so there's whenever. a there's a there's a whole platform that I can just ignore all of those movies on. Right, right. Yep. Um but it's got all the DC stuff and Doom Patrol if you're looking for yeah, somewhere to watch yeah. that DC. I already had that because I had the DC universe thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and but the the weird thing about that is on the DC thing, because they were talking about that on Cord Killers. The um, what's the new one? Is it the Harley Quinn thing? Or it's the Harley the, Quinn cartoon. cartoon the Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah, but th- so that's not on there. Like some of the newer things aren't on there. Yeah, because the HBO Max isn't for new things necessarily. It's yeah to collect all the old stuff. But but does, then they also have their weird like originals like Elmo's for, Not So Late Show. And also all <laughs> the like H- well, it's going to have new HBO stuff as it comes out. It's going right. to go on there. So uh, what was it? They're advertising already for the fall series. Um, uh, yeah. What's the but, HP Lovecraft thing? Oh. I can't remember the name. But but I, but I mean, like it's also got the um, it's like his doc materials on there, and you know yeah. all the HBO stuff basically. If you need to catch up on Watchmen, it's all on there. So I, I still I don't know, need it, to watch that. I it's interesting and like and it's amazing. you think about like all the stuff that comes to HBO movie wise that you're like, oh right, I don't have to like. <laughs> find this somewhere so it's nice um and yeah so if you get if you got the thing where you were like quote already signed up for it somehow uh it's 12 dollars a month instead of 15 basically so yeah yeah, we're we're trying to and we we were debating on keeping it because they've got the whole sesame street catalog Uh, and they've got um all of um uh the looney Looney tunes stuff so all the looney tunes like back catalog stuff because warner brothers watch <laughs> again watch a lot of sesame street up in here can't imagine all, why. all yeah. the all the, the the not racist warner brothers stuff <laughs> i bet you you're not gonna find a speedy gonzalez on there <laughs> probably don't not I, we haven't looked but yeah um, i don't know uh, what of the classic stuff i don't know if we can what's the hitler one where bugs oh i don't remember hitler i mean i don't really remember don't the titles or anything there, and then they have the like they rebooted looney tunes that's on there yeah so, although um they restarted uh, it it is cool too really though that um because they've also got like the other adult swim stuff on there so like because like boondocks. boondocks and yeah uh oh geez i mean all that stuff on, is on there Home which is movies. nice and then um the studio ghibli stuff so like oh uh, <gasps> yeah so all studio ghibli all studio oh all. oh so i can oh man because there's a and bunch it, of those i've been wanting to go back and watch well apparently even they're getting, they're getting new studio ghibli stuff. yeah yeah e- so. even like there are days i'm like you know what I, I could even watch kiki's delivery service right now. i want to see that actually <laughs> it's not bad it's pretty good i think it's on netflix actually right now but i bet that's going off there soon that's going to be another interesting thing is like the the trade-offs on on rights and whatnot but so yeah, yeah, there's a reason Netflix has been pushing real hard for their original stuff is because they know all yeah. a lot of their old stuff is like, well, they can't. Yeah, Disney deals and so forth. But yeah, so that's that's the the one of the big. Um, I think one like I'm trying to think of like what else we have going on. But well, it's kind uh, of I, mean, I missed the last episode because I was doing a quarantine yes, wedding. Yes. Uh, my sister got married. That mm-hmm. was a Mazatov. Thank you. That was a fun time down in Bourbon Country. We were at a private farm out outside of Lexington. I was able to stop by and drop you off some beer. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting. Like they, the wedding's been planned for over a year. So as things were falling apart, my sister was like, I'm getting married. Cause she's had three weddings fall apart. <laughs> like this, uh, it, it, she's not had the best luck. And this one, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. She had to buy her dress twice because the oh. first time they took it for alterations and they completely jacked the dress up beyond repair. She had to order a new one. God. And oh. it's just like, 
and this one was coming down to it. They had to fire the caterer two weeks before because the caterer was still like, they were so worried. They're like, look, we're going to have like 40 people. It's not, not going to be what it was. And there weren't even that. I think there were like, there weren't even 20 of us eventually mm-hmm. that like were exposed to each other, but they wanted extra food because you never know how much people mm-hmm. are going to eat. But the right. caterer was like threatening to, they're like, well, you shouldn't be having an event with 40 people. And they were like, well, by law, you were supposed to refund us our money <laughs> and not be doing such a thing. Because their caterer at first was like, well, no, you can't have your deposit back because our thing clearly states. And they were like, uh, by law, the governor announced you have to return all the money and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I won't say what was actually said to the caterer, but they were <laughs> refunded the money and city barbecue. His sister so, pulled a Karen, but, you know, rightfully so. <laughs> my sister will go off on anyone for anything. But it was... Look, they, they were being crappy about the whole thing. Right. But, yeah. No, they, they got what they deserved. And we got barbecue, which everyone was happy with. Hmm. And it was just the immediate families of the bride and the groom. We were the only ones who were exposed to each other because the anyone who came, they ended up moving it from where it was going to be. It was going to be on this like picturesque setting around a lake, uh, a private lake on a private farm. Apparently, we discovered Blake Shelton stays there whenever he comes <laughs> to Kentucky. And uh, they ended up moving it across the other side of the lake to an open field. And everyone in their cars drove up, and they put them in rows in the cars. Going like how out. my parents go to church now. <laughs> yeah, pretty. It was yeah, it was a drive-in wedding, and they kind of made this V formation out, and it kind of helped form the aisle that we walked down. It, they it formed was this V formation, which formed the head. <laughs> Ducks fly together. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That was fun and interesting. And one of the bridesmaids uh, who was a recovering alcoholic got drunk for the first time in like five years and <laughs> nearly collapsed in the middle of it. And it, uh, in the middle of the ceremony, all the bridesmaids had to hold her up until it was done. And the two groomsmen came over and picked her up and drug her like feet dragging the ground back down the aisle. Everyone smiling, acting like nothing's wrong. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> and then by the time I got down there, She's passed out in a car, like face in the window, just like. <laughs> they're like, well, she's off the wagon. <laughs> Lots of bourbon was drank. Uh, I was pretty heavily into a bottle of uh, very old Barton myself. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, a fun filled two weeks that yep. have passed, basically. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but I guess it was like the day before. Yeah, the day before the last episode when I wasn't here, we had a visit. To from oh, our, yeah, from our Chicago land friend. We, we mentioned it a little bit because I, I yes, I, we had to because I was I was drinking the spotted cow during oh. I think the main show, and then Bob was like, no. <laughs> was... But then of course by the end of that, <laughs> he he got a, a surprise visit. <laughs> well, like the show had ended, and yeah. we were we were just in post, but then then beer came and I was I was happy and I had it like the next day just went oh. Mm. Oh, spotted cow. But yeah, that's uh, other than that, it's just been work and working from home and more of the weirdness of when you do conference calls and you have like a, a home audio studio and you're talking to everyone else who's just on their laptop in their kitchen <laughs> with it's... echoes and everything. And you're like, oh, does everyone not have a, you know, like a mixer and <laughs> a, a few thousand dollars invested into audio equipment? I have that problem when we're setting up D&D stuff and I hear people say, come on, guys, just over to your soundboard, fix your settings. Oh, and... everyone can't do that? Oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, but right, I, well, uh, yeah, I will what, say... What else have you been into? Because I know you've been pretty busy. Mostly just working. Uh, there, there are two people in my place now, which is all we're allowed to have. Uh, so in my off time, I've just been trying to watch whatever I can to pass the time, uh, whether it's a 90s Bulls documentary, which was surprisingly good. I want to watch that. Oh, it's 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 real good. Uh, or uh, uh, going back and watching Star Trek, the original series. Hmm. And uh, let me just say, first three episodes that show up on Netflix all have basically the same plot and threat yeah that's about right <laughs> the cage is oh like the the original pilot 
is oh these great telepathic uh telepathic creatures uh are creating illusions to 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 do whatever next episode bones runs into someone masquerading as an old girlfriend who is a monster that turns into whatever you want it to be mm. Yep. And then the one after that is young boy with psychic powers does whatever he wants on the ship. I'm just like, guys, you went to the psychic well three times in a row. You need to like. It was the beginning of TOS. They had to. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were dipping into some wells yeah. a lot. Uh, I, so no, that, that reminds me real quick. So I think one of my favorite shows now um, that got canceled from Netflix, because let's not get into that mess, but uh, got picked up by a let's say a cbs company and so i did a free trial of what was it this time cbs all access no no because that would make sense oh okay yeah, that so, would make sense if a cbs bought something and it was on cbs all yeah access. No, no that would make sense <laughs> no uh i did a free trial again of fubo tv because they put it on fubo they bought because it, 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 put it, on fubo. it was it was either fubo hulu live or youtube tv and i was like well, i can't do youtube because i can't use a different email address because i've already done because it, it ties to google so uh but anyway so i had to watch the show on there and it's got the shows the series isn't like the season isn't done but um you know because obviously uh filming issues right now <laughs> like everybody else has right. um but my god the ads because it's a cbs like network or whatever the ads for cbs all access cbs and like and oh and cnet because it's a cbs company <laughs> like six ads per like there's like eight ad breaks and there's six ads each and i'm just like how do people do this <laughs> like oh my god this is why we don't have gable <laughs> all i gotta say about that is uh but also i, I was like oh star trek there's a lot of Star Trek ads because I forgot like, oh yeah, there's like three different Star Trek things on CBS All Access. Yeah, uh, I was never a fan of the show, but then Brittany's like, oh, in this new season, they open it up with a thing about the son catching the mom masturbating to... Um, to Outlander. To Outlander. And I'm just sitting there in my head going, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Every, everyone can see that. Hmm. Not to mention we watched the pilot episode of Outlander with my dad. And which, that was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my uh my boss she was watching out apparently started watching outlander and was watching it with her mother oh and uh her mother looks over at her at some point and goes what have you got me watching like with fake <laughs> it was fake outrage but oh. say like, you're watching porn with your mother yeah. She's like, hey, look, it's going to get to something else here in a minute. This is just Scottish period piece porn. Yeah. Set in the Highlands. Man, that does sound like uh, sound like porn near. At the end pre- of the Jacobite uprising. Oh, it, it gets my gets my panties wet. I, I was going to say, gets your gets your kilt in an uproar. Ooh, it does. Uh, speaking of getting my kilt in an uproar, uh, <laughs> no one tapped this week to talk of, but uh, we did have a news episode. We where we had uh, a very interesting Breaking Bad style wine heist. If Walter White was a wino, <laughs> Walter White was a wino, was a lazy wino, lazy wino, and some other random news stories. Because guess what? There's not a lot of news happening in the the beverage industry at the moment because everyone's sitting there hoping they don't have to do a quarterly report that's like, and we're filing for bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah uh global pandemics aren't aren't great for the news plus uh everyone else i think is just kind of going so there's some other things going on in the world let's not talk about them <laughs> yeah. yeah basically <laughs> that's that's the goal <laughs> so speaking of which speaking of not talking about it a census taker once tried to test me i ate his liver with some fava beans a nice Chianti. I was about to stop it, and I was like, "No way, we no, gotta get." The- we have to go. Uh, I, I thought that came sooner. I didn't think the pause was that long, so I'm just like, "Yeah." Oh, there it is! Oh God! <laughs> so, if you didn't guess, our topic for today is Chianti. Chianti. No, please, please don't say it like that. <laughs> Chianti. 
I'm going to do it the whole episode or at least until I forget. Like it really hurts. You know, we've had we had a discussion pre-show about it. Like did Anthony Hopkins, I guess it was like pre-pre-show, intentionally do that? Or was it a slip? Was he mocking someone off stage? Like was he mocking her accent and character? Like why did he mispronounce it? I don't know. But the earliest history of Keanti. Keanti. Keanti is a. very intertwined with the history of the entire Tuscan region. Uh, the history of the viticulture of the area dates back to its, sediment, uh, to its settlements by the Etruscans in the 8th century BC. If you get to Etruscans, you've gone too far. <laughs> That's like my historical navigation. Like, oh, yes, no. Yeah, just, just stop here. You'll turn right down, down, by, uh, down by the Romans. If you hit the Etruscans, you've gone too far. <laughs> So when we go to uh, historical figures and mile markers that make appearances on the show, um, I think the Etruscans is a is a good one there because I think that's what 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 stamp is a uh, which which square is uh, Etruscans in your bingo card for it's right it's <laughs> next to Marconi which made an appearance Marconi, Marconi the genius inventor Marconi. Uh, Anyway, we have amphora remnants originating from the region that show that the Tuscan wine was exported to southern Italy and Gaul as early as the 7th century BC before both areas began to actively cultivate grapevines themselves. I was going to say, and it's to be said, the Gauls liked it so much, they invaded Rome. (laughs) They went, oh, this is great. As you do. (laughs) Look, we're out. I don't want to pay for more. Just go take it. Okay, yeah, let's go take it. As we've learned, wine heists... (laughs) And Rome got very angry. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, from the fall of the Roman Empire through throughout the Middle Ages, monasteries the main purveyors of wine in the region as aristocratic merchants, uh, merchant classes emerged. Uh, They inherited the sharecropping sharecropping system. I thought it was uh, a situation, and then in my head, I'm like, sharecropping situation. That's got to be some kind of like old crow medicine show ripoff band. <laughs> well, I was going to say sharecropping situation just sounds like a fancy way to say slavery. Sharecropping <laughs> 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 uh, system of agriculture known as mesadria. Meza- uh, uh, I don't yeah. know. I was going to say Metzadria, but that I don't know if that's right. <laughs> anyway, the system uh, took its name from the arrangement whereby landowners provided land and resources for planting in exchange for half, Meza, of the yearly crop. So, you know, half better than slavery. <laughs> Many landowners in the county region would turn their, uh, their half of the grave harvest into wine that would be sold to merchants in Florence. The earliest reference of Florentine wine retailers dates to uh, 1079, the Guild of Wine Merchants, uh, Guild for Wine Merchants being created in 1282. Tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I had to stop and like do the like mental timeline of history. I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. No, somewhere in that grand. Uh, Grand thing, at least in the the uh, uh, you know, Western European section. <laughs> uh, unlike France or Spain, Italy did not have a robu- robust export market for its wines during the Middle Ages. Its closest trading partners, France and Austria, were separated by, from Italy by the massive Alp, uh, Alps that also had uh, ample supply of their own local wine. I mean, come on, how hard is it to get across the Alps? You could do it in elephants. No, that's what I was waiting for. I'm waiting for the the whole time since you said Alps. I was waiting for the Hannibal reference. I'm waiting for you to say it when it's full of plentiful elephants or something. <laughs> it's full of plentiful elephant corpses. Yeah, the Alps is an elephant's graveyard. It is. You could you could track the trail he took off of the elephant bodies. From, I mean, just from the bones. I would look so. As an archaeologist, I would love the opportunity to just do that as an experiment. Just see, can I track Hannibal's way off of the remains of elephants? If if people hadn't already most likely taken those elephants by this point, probably claiming it was like some sort of holy relic. Yeah. Not that it was tied to Hannibal and that it was holy, that they just like, oh, well, this bone's big. This was yeah. Saint Bonabus. 
<laughs> Let's grind it up into boner powder. And oh no, wait, that's wrong continent. <laughs> wrong continent, but same ideas. They would have used the same animal. Yep. Uh. Anyway, uh, the English had a little interest in Italian wines at this point, finding plentiful sources in France, Spain, and later Portugal to quench their thirst. Well, the sweet, uh, like like a miri, like. Like uh, not gonna work here anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Ramaya Christi from Campania had some, Campania had some uh, presence in the international market. Most Italian mm-hmm. wines had to compete uh, for taste of the local market. Even uh, this market was mostly limited to the aristocracy, who seemed to have preferred strong wines from uh, Vernazia or sweet Antelizio and Vin. Stanos. I, I had to look at it and go, don't say diesel. Don't say diesel. <laughs> Vincentos. Uh, since outside of major cities of Rome and Naples, uh, there is not yet a strong middle class. Uh, during the Renaissance. Uh, have we settled on, is it Renaissance, Renaissance? Just say Renaissance. <laughs> okay. Uh, during the Renaissance, the city of Florence experienced a period of growth uh, that brought with it the emergence of a middle class of gilded craftsmen and merchants. Some of these Florentine wine merchants, such as the Antores and Frescobaldis, would become powerful and influential figures, not only in the history of Chianti, but also Italian wine. Uh, so the earliest example of Chianti was a pale, light wine sold by merchant, uh, sold by the merchant Francisco de Mar- Marco Dettini. I almost said Dratini, hmm. which is a Pokemon. <laughs> also, there's always a Francesco. Francisco. Francesco. 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 Yeah. Bring me your wine. <laughs> uh, that was in uh, uh, 1398. It eventually evolved into a coarse, deep color red wine that Sir Edward Barry described as having disagreeable roughness and other qualities <laughs> seldom drunk. <laughs> Can I just start saying that about wine when I drink it going, hmm. Just nope, this has disagreeable qualities of roughness and uh, should be seldom drunk. Disagreeable roughness. Yes. Yeah. This is disagreeable roughness. Other qualities. It does sound like he, he definitely had a beard and he was not uh, not not thrilled about life. Well, some of these other qualities might have been a slight fizziness that was a byproduct of winemaking techniques that emerged in the Middle Ages. So, <laughs> so everyone could uh, savor their their bottles. Then everything was, a, hmm? everything was still. Then there was no sparkling. No, apparently everything was sparkling then because oh. everything was infected. <laughs> True. At various times, wine faults would plague uh, the unstable uh, Chiantis because they were not able to fully complete fermentation, and yeast cells would remain active in the wine. Mm, yum. <laughs> the lack of full fermentation was partly due to cooler temperatures following harvest that stuns the yeast and prohibits activity, but could have been caused by unsanitary fermentation vessels. Yeah, I felt like that's what a lot of the problem is then. Yeah. Uh uh, in the 14th century, uh, Chianti winemakers developed a technique known as Gerveno, where half-dried grapes were added to the must to simulate yeast, simulate the yeast with a, uh, st- sorry, not simulate, stimulate the yeast with a fresh source of sugar that may keep the yeast active all through the fermentation process. Hmm. Just, just got to keep them going. Just got to keep on keeping on. While the technique did improve the uh, probability of, uh, of a fully fermenting wine, the second fermentation would cause additional uh, cause the addition of new sugars, also lift some carbon dioxide, which caused the wine to have a slightly sparkling or fizzy character. Mm. In the 18th century, seeds of the modern Chianti industry were began to be planted in 17, eight, uh, 1716. Quite literally. Because... Mm. Uh, co- Cosimo Il de Medici, Grand Duke of Tuscany. Man, that's a that's a mouthful. Yeah. Issued an edict de, uh, delineating the boundaries that would eventually become the heart of the Chianti classical re- uh, region. 
Prior to becoming Holy Roman Emperor, the policies of Peter, uh, Peter Leopold and as Grand Duke of Tuscany encouraged many of the landowning families to invest in improving and expanding their vineyards. Look, uh, <laughs> our history porn would have a number of issues with that. <laughs> it's just a common joke on there that there was nothing holy or Roman, Roman. about the Holy Roman Empire. Oh, yeah. And the emperor didn't do a whole lot for that empire. <laughs> Everything was wrong. Uh, the Gregofili Academy was funded to teach noble families modern viticulture techniques, I guess modern for them, uh, from places such as France and Germany. Families that are still making Chianti Day, such as the Caponis, Feridolfis, Rassirios, and uh, Ridolfs. Ridolfis. I'm uh, sorry, Bob. You seem to got all, you seem to have gotten all the words. This all oh, no. the words. No, I'm looking ahead. I have plenty of them. <laughs> they're, they're there. Don't worry. Uh, the exact composition of grapes and varieties used to make the Chianti at this point is unknown. Uh, Ampelographers. Em, ah. They graph amples. Uh, find clues about which grape varieties were popular at this point of the writing. Uh, from the writings of uh, uh, Cosimo Ferriacci, who noted that the Calianano was widely planted variety along the area of the Sangiovese, uh, Mamolio, and Marziamino. Uh, it wasn't until the work of Italian statesman Benito Riacasoli, the modern Chianti recipe would take shape. All right. One of the most influential figures in the history of Chianti is the Italian statesman Bettino Riccasiolo. No, I had an extra O. Riccasioli. Oli. There we go. Riccasioli. Who created the Chianti recipe that would later be canonized in DOC regulate. Wait, Department of Correction? Regulations. Uh, uh um, no, it's <laughs> no, um... no DOC regulations. Uh, the Ricasioli family traces their lineage to the county region of Lom- Lombard barons who oh, rule. Man. I want to say Lombardy because <laughs> that is a re- man, my Lombard's not having a good. Oh, <laughs> I, I was just thinking the Lombardy region, so that's where I was when I saw this. Okay. But the Lombard barons who ruled during the 11th century. The family estate in Brolio is located in what is now known as the heart of the Chianti classical region in the province of Siena. Orphaned at a young age, his family estate was crippled with debt in disarray shortly after Riccasioli got, I wanted to add that extra, right after he got married. Uh, resorting, restoring the estate and its vineyard became his primary focus. Ricasoli uh, traveled throughout France and Germany studying the latest winemaking methods and brought back with him vine cutting cuttings of new grape varieties. He began to experiment in his vineyard and cellar on which grapes produced the best wines at his estate. See, part- this this feels like uh, like all the best breweries and vineyards. How do they get started? They stole it from Theft. other places. Yeah. How, new Belgium. How, how, they, how, how did they? New, yeah. I was going to say they New Belgium. Like, how do they do that? How do they make such great old world beer in the new world? Because they stole the yeast. <laughs> he came out of there like the like the yeast burglar. <laughs> the yeast burglar. <laughs> Picture the hamburglar, but instead he had hops pictured all he over him. He had a him. vial of yeast. Uh, his work. bag just. Mm. <laughs> yeah. His work eventually settled on a blend of three Tuscan grapes, uh, Sangiovese. Uh, I meant to look that word up. Hold on. Caniolio and Malvasia. No grape varieties. Uh, Ricasioli chose Sangiovese to be the base of the Chianti because it provided the most uh, aromatics. Canolio brought fruitiness to the wine that softened the tannins of Sangiovese without lessening the aromatics. The addition of the white wine grapes, uh, Malvasia, was to provide further softening. Wine expert Hugh Johnson. 
most easy to pronounce name in all of this. Also. Hugh Johnson noted that the relationship that uh, Ricasioli described between Sangiovese and Canelio has some parallels to how Cabernet Sauvignon is softened by the fruit of Merlot in the traditional Bordeaux-style blend. By the way, Hugh Johnson seems, sounds like the name that uh, uh, Bart would call Moe's Tavern with. <laughs> Can anyone get a hold of Hugh Johnson? Hugh Johnson. Is there a Hugh Johnson here? Uh, Ricasioli continued with his winemaking endeavors until 1848 when his wife died. Stricken by grief, he had little desire for his vineyards or Aww. his wine. During uh, this time, the tides of the Riz, um, that were growing stronger, and Ricasioli found himself in the political area, which would eventually lead him to becoming the Prime Minister of Italy. So, you know, that's that's a bit of a gear shift. It tends to happen. Uh, your wife dies and become the Prime Minister of Italy, and uh, there may be some things getting ready to happen. Things may be hitting the fan. Uh, the 20th century saw peaks and valleys in the popularity of Chianti and eventually led to a radical evolution in the wine style due to the influence of the Super Tuscans. Do, do, do. The late 19th century saw uh, Odium. Oidium? Oidium? Sure. And the Phylaxera epidemic take its toll on the vineyards of Chianti. And just as they had ravaged vineyards across Europe, the chaos and poverty following the Rizard, I can never say it. Rizard Can we just say the blight? <laughs> uh, heralded the beginning of the Italian diaspora. Di diaspora. Diaspora. That would take the Italian vineyard workers and winemakers abroad as immigrants to new lands. Those that stayed behind and replanted chose high-yielding varieties like Trebbiano and Savagionese. Clones such as the Savagionese di Romagiana from nearby Romagiana region oh. followed World War II. The general trend in the world wine market was for cheap, easy-drinking wine. Man, I miss the days of cheap. <laughs> Which just, just would just be a better deal for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, we want cheap. Oh, good. Which saw a brief boom for the region uh, with overcropping and an emphasis on quantity over quality. The reputation of Chianti among consumers eventually plummeted. By the 1950s, Treviano... Uh, sorry, it's just ringing too many bells in my head. Which is oh, known Joey? for... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is known for its How you doing? Flavors. How you doing? Just picture uh, in wine you pour out and he's like, here you go. How you doing? It's the wine Joey would drink sitting on his toilet using his toilet phone. Monica <laughs> begged him to never call her from. <laughs> made up to 30% of many mass market Chiantis. By the late 20th century, Chianti was often associated with basic mass market Chianti sold in a squat bottle enclosed in a straw basket. We all know it. <laughs> Called Fiasco. Look, I came... I came this close to buying one of those. We Just all know so it from every what? Sangiovese. We 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 know we, we know, know that this, bottle from yeah. Every bad Italian restaurant. Yeah. I was gonna say in every movie of every like yeah every fifties and sixties set in the fifties and sixties movie. Hey, guess where we are in the timeline? We're in the 50s. Hey. So timeline tracks, like I said before. No, tracks mm, with yeah, the yeah. timeline. Is. Uh, however, during this same time, a group of ambitious producers began working outside the boundaries of DSC regulations to make what they believed would be a higher quality style of Chianti. These wines eventually became known as the Super Tuscans. Do, 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 do. <laughs> the origin of Super Tuscans is rooted do, do, do. in the restrictive DOC practices of the Chianti zone, Prior to the 1990s, so we're jumping up here, uh, during the time, Chianti would be composed of no more than 70% Sangiovese and had to include at least 10% of one of the local white wine grapes. Hmm. Producers who deviated from the regulations could not use the Chianti name 
on their wine labels and will be classified as Vino da Tavola. Tavola, Italy's lowest wine designation. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. It sounds very close to Travola, by the way. Or Travolta. <laughs> I mean, could be the, the lowest I mean, designation yeah. of an actor. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Shade? The Marchese, Marchese Piero. Piero Antinori. Antinori? Was one of the first to create the Chianti style wine that uh, ignored the DOC regulations, releasing a 1971 Sangiovese Cabernet Sauvignon blend known as Tinanello. Tinanello. Okay. I think that translates to I do what I want. <laughs> I would say this I sounds an awful it... lot like the uh, the Rhein Heiskaboot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In 1978, uh, other producers followed suit. And soon, prices of the Super Tuscans were do, 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 consistently do. beating the prices of some of the most well-known Chiantis. In response to international acclaim and high prices of these Super Tuscans, do, do, uh, do. Italian authorities reevaluated the DOC regulations for the Chianti region in an attempt to bring some of these Super Tuscans do, back do, do. into the fold. They changed <laughs> the grape blend composition of Chianti, uh, not Classico or Reserva, to require a minimum of 75 to 90% Sangiovese, 5 to 10% Canolio, Nero, uh, 5%, 5 to 10% Treviano, uh, Toscano, and uh, Malvese Bianca Lunga. That, up to 10% <laughs> uh, other varieties. With respect to Chianti Classico, a minimum of 80% Sangiovese is required and up to 20% of other varieties allowed. Beginning with the 2006 vintage, no white grapes are allowed in the composition of Chianti Classico. Chianti uh, Classico Reserva is required to have a minimum of, of 24 months oak aging, plus an additional three months of bottle aging. But beyond just grape composition, the new wave of winemaking during the era of the Super Tuscan do, do, do. Also, also reinvigorated the county's region with modern viticultural uh, vine training and canopy management techniques and winemaking tools, such as the use of new oak barrels. Hmm. Hmm. See? Hmm. Who else? Who Bur else? Bourbon style works. Hmm. So you stop and go, hmm. Now, now there's now we know of three areas where new oak is being used. Uh, some tequilas, which happen to be some hosts' favorite tequilas, and they have a big crush on it. Mm. Um, obviously, bourbon whiskey, and apparently in some newer counties. We're we're gonna talk about some some weird parallels. These things apparently are happening, but also from what I understand from this is. This is a, the 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 whole Chianti Classico and Super Tuscans do 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 uh, are uh, basically a new a new Coke program that worked. Ah, mm. yeah. Well, this <laughs> new area of innovation led to sharp increase in the price of Chiantis, to where the bottlings from many of the top houses now match the prices of the premium Super Tuscans. Bump it up. Say, Sorry, I, I I was busy looking at something else, and I, and I completely blanked that I heard Super Tuscans. <laughs> All right, well, <clears throat> next we will get into some pairings. This is usually our favorite thing, well, my favorite thing to talk about because food uh, with beer. <laughs> so, and um, wine folly tends seems to be the equivalent of all about beer as far as <laughs> listing like, you know, all the wait. So they're owned by ABM Bev too. All about beer isn't owned by ABM. Is that all about rate beer? Rate beer. That's the yeah. one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's a lot of. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, but yes. Um, so Wine Folly lists a lot of like. Here's pairings, and here's this, and here's the glass you need to drink of, and here's infographics. It's great. Um, so Chianti has savory flavors paired with high acidity and coarse tannin, which makes it an incredible wine with food. The high acid cuts through richer fatty dishes. And stands up to tomato sauces. All yeah. that dry, powdery tannin makes Chianti wines ideal with dishes that use olive oil or highlight rich pieces of meat. Pizza is another favorite pairing and works well 
or works with all styles of Sangiovese, from lighter Chianti wines to richer Brunello, oh, sorry, uh, Brunello di Mandaltino. Of course, he he brings me pizza. Uh, pizza. <laughs> so um, we do have a short list. This is from um, Wine Enthusiast, uh, which is I think WineMag.com. Um, away. Um, this is just five uh, Chiantis that are worth trying, according to them. Um, I think you know Wine Enthusiast probably a good uh, source for that. So. Yeah. The first one on their list is the Selva Piana, uh, the 2015 Chianti Rufina, uh, $19. Uh, you might notice a theme here. Chianti, not super expensive. Um, Doesn't seem so. Yeah. Earthy aromas of wild red berries, uh, tilled soil, underbrush, and violets align with a whiff of baking spice in this polished red savory elegant palate delivers licorice raspberry compote crushed strawberry and wild herb flavors alongside refined tannins it's nicely balanced with fresh acidity um and you, it says you can enjoy it through 2023 apparently hmm. um i don't know if that's like a wine thing <laughs> 2015 vintage through 2023 i mean there is a certain point where uh where it it turns to vinegar so right we've right got a yeah. time frame before yeah that's fair uh the next one is uh volpaia no way i'm saying that correctly but uh it is a chianti classico and it is smooth and delicious also 21 dollars uh opens with inviting scents of raspberry jam cake spice violet and a whiff of forest floor it's very specific uh the savory juicy palette does uh doles out ripe Marasca cherry, truffle, and star anise framed in polished tannins. This one you can drink through 2022. Um, I just think it, it's interesting that they like highlight and like, and this is your cutoff point. <laughs> um, next is Castello de Rampola. Uh, I don't remember how the double L is pronounced, so I'm sorry. Uh, $38. One of the higher priced ones in, in any list I've seen. So aromas of truffle, leather, menthol, and mature plum take the lead on this concentrated red. Uh, aromas follow through to the full-bodied chewy palate, along with fleshy black cherry, licorice, and dried herb. Nothing Literally about nothing that. about that sounds yeah, good. <laughs> that does not sound good at all. Uh, so this this um, is also a 2015 vintage but it says you can drink through 2019 to 2025. Interesting uh, range there, considering neither of those is the year it actually is vintaged. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, the next is Bindi Sergadi uh, Alcanapo. This is a Chianti Coli Senesi. $15. Aromas of red skin, berry, underbrush, and a hint of mint merged together in the glass. Juicy palate doles out red cherry, raspberry jam, and a note of eucalyptus. That doesn't so, sound terrible. Yeah, it, that sounds okay. Um, now this one, it just says enjoy soon. This is the 2016 vintage, so um, no, mm, it's just like soon. So this is like this is like fresh IPA territory. Like you need to drink this now. Drink it, drink it now. <laughs> fresh IPA territory. If it were four years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, context. Um, so the last one on the Pliny list. the Elder territory. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Dianella Reserva. Uh, this is the 2015 vintage, $28. Made from 95% Sangiovese and 5% Colorino. This opens with dark berry, baking spice, and leather aromas. Firm palate offers dried black cherry, clove, and raw almond touches alongside polished tannins. You got through 2021 to enjoy this one. Mm. Mm. Honestly, all the descriptions sound just fine <laughs> to so me. So I, I can't help but notice the one we're drinking is not on that list. Yeah. Look, I got mine at Target. <laughs> uh, so you can get you. Well, you used to be able to get Nika coffee grain whiskey at Target. Uh, you can still, if you're lucky enough, you can find Habiki at mm. Target. Look. Mm. 
you can fair find enough, fair enough. good things at Target. Well, speaking of what we're drinking. Drink with me, friend. What about the slice of pizza? Oh, yeah. Eat with me, friends. <laughs> so what, what are you guys drinking? Uh, well, while she's shoving pizza in her mouth, this is Da Vinci uh, from Italy. Obviously, it's Chianti. Uh, it's from the Tuscany region, the appellation of Chianti. The wine type is red wine. For some reason, I red. found that surprising. Red, red wine? <laughs> yes, it is red, red wine. Uh, Rital Sangiovese. And uh, De, De Vinci Chianti has a bright ruby red color and opens with aromas of ripe plum and cherry accented by peppery notes. No, no peppery notes. Uh, on the palate, the wine is medium-bodied and well-balanced with round tannins. See, and, you went from like... <laughs> you just let like the accent the- linger. <laughs> I'm just saying, you went from like Sebastian and the Little Mermaid to like Marlon Brando and the Godfather. <laughs> it's going, it's just, it's just going wherever it wants to go. But anyway, uh, the tannins that linger through soft mineral finish, this wine pairs perfectly with pastas and meat dishes. Hmm. It is actually good with the pizza. I do have to point that out. Meat dishes. Meat dishes. Meat dishes. Mm. <laughs> Um, I will say, dishes. I think we've both been enjoying this wine, which is like a statement that's never uh, happened. So I've never liked wine, and I just I just discovered I like Chianti. Yeah, <laughs> and like- now I can go out somewhere and be like, I'll take the Chianti. Yeah. Well, uh, it's good to hear. I've been drinking Chianti Superior mm-hmm. from Banfi. Uh, it's a Chianti. It's thirteen percent ABV. And uh, their description here, it's from the uh, vineyards of the Tuscan Hills of the uh, Delimited Chianti, DOCG, uh, DOCG zone. So the soil is calcicurus and with a mixture of sand and clay. They, uh, with the winemaking, there's a maceration of the skins with eight days of temperature controlled stainless steel, followed by pressing and fermentation. Jeez. The wine undergoes a malchiotic fermentation where it's then aged for four to five months in, uh, in barriques and followed by extended bottle aging. Superior designation signifies a stricter control over regulation regarding the production and aging requirements than Chianti. No, say it slower. <laughs> I can't finish if you don't say it slower. Oh, God. It's intense ruby red bouquet. Fruit forward aromas with some floral notes. Taste round, well balanced acidity and fruit. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) Like if anyone's on behalf of like everyone. If anyone's still listening to this point, that's their that's their reward. (laughs) Getting Justin to read erotica <laughs> of wine <laughs> reviews. Uh, anyway, this is ideal fruit bearing is uh, red sauce pastas, roasted and grilled meats, and aged cheeses. And I'll be da- I'll be damned. We found a wine, guys. Right? You like it too? Yeah, this has been pretty good. Because right. <laughs> and it's not and it's I guess, cheap, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm like I'm just like yes. For once, I don't have an expensive taste in something. <laughs> that's a good way to look at like, it. Like, this was $12. Yeah, that's how much ours was, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was looking around, just kind of like, I, I don't know what to pick. And I'm like, looking down the list. And like, the worst price was like 20 bucks. And I went, that's, that's like surprisingly affordable. Like, that's doable. Yeah. I mean, for wine, yeah, you're just like, all right, yeah. That's... Now we know <laughs> that we can all go out to dinner somewhere and just be like, bring, bring us a bottle of Chianti. Next bring us a bottle of Chianti. We're, we're going to an Italian restaurant, and it's like, bring it here. We, we, next time we go to Buca, Buca together, Buca right, de Beppo, we, we're just going to be like, we, Chianti. We can pull up the, the show list and be like, look at this their one. wine list and see if they have one of those bottles. Make a bottle of that. Bring it. What's going to be, though, is like, like it's, it's, it's all family size. Here, and it's like a 
gallon of <laughs> One wine of cooking wine bottles he's like yeah sure whatever put dip in the crazy straws guys i mean hey no wine mouth that way <laughs> putting it out there why do you think uh, i drink from a crazy straw but yeah i've i've been enjoying it it's not um so i'm used the only red wine i'm used to is like the cabernet sauvignon and it has a way more like buttery like you know just you're drinking diacetyl <laughs> like mm. So and this this is definitely like if initially that tire were red wine. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, but I'm just saying, fat tire mashed potatoes. <laughs> no, no, it matches there. The flavor profiles what you want. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so like it, it, this one isn't. I don't know. I feel like it's just this is the the beer as beer equivalent of wine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah I. Like, look, this this is what I want red wine to taste like. Yeah, that's and yeah. normally, what red wine tastes like is three month old gym socks. <laughs> no, uh, so uh, I, we've not covered a lot of red wine on the show so far. I think we've covered a lot of white. <sighs> I hate white wine with a passion. I the sherry wasn't bad. I don't think. Wasn't that, bad. It wasn't my preference. No, but I mean, as far as like, because I don't, I'm not really about white wines as much either. But the the sherry was okay. This this goes down easy, easier with a uh, moose eggnog <laughs> cup. I will say though, like legit, if you like have pizza, especially like I almost wish we could have gotten like um just pasta strong any a good pasta. Oh yeah, brick oven would have like been. a brick oven pizza. That's like, yeah. I'm glad I recorked this because now I'm kind of like, I think I'm going to make a pizza tomorrow and just have some of this with it. Right? Yeah. Hell, you, yeah, just pizza or some kind of like, like, as it said, like the tomato based pasta or like spaghetti. Spaghetti. (laughs) But yeah, like it's, it is, and you don't get, um, honestly, when you take a bite of the pizza and you have, and you have the wine after, you get a lot more of the notes that it talked about with like the um the plum and the a little bit of the smokiness and stuff. So like it, it's like it's a crazy good pairing. This has had a lot more sweetness than I'm used to expecting out of red wines. Yeah, mm. uh, but it's not and... overly sweet either, though. No, right. but it's like a it's like a nice like dark fruit sweetness yes, rather than when it talks about the plums and the cherries and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's on point. Good job. <laughs> All I can think of when you keep saying plum is we need the bloodhound gang sound. Mighty tidy like, whitey. Mighty tidy whitey. Whitey's and smuggling plums. plums. We need a lot of sounders, okay? Like, we do. When you want to come. Well, I think that about does it for us. Once we get to <laughs> bloodhound gang, I think that's usually time to wrap up an episode. Time to call it, yeah. We learned a lot this episode. We did. I, Actually, did. No, we're floored. <laughs> we found a wine we like. Like, holy crap, guys. We should mark this date in history. <laughs> mark this date. During quarantine, they found the wine they liked. <laughs> well, don't forget, you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and on twitch.tv. And don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, or you can use the feedback page on the website. Tell us if you like Chianti. It, if you like it with fava beans. If you make an unsettling that sound. <laughs> Which is more unsettling you... though, that or the or, or the or the um grapefruit. Or another way actually that. to uh you can subtly give us feedback or just please go to uh iTunes or Google Music or wherever you're uh downloading and listening to the show. Give us a rating. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yes. If, if let's people know that they can they can find us and they, one they star be- four stars whatever go give us a rating that that can help a lot more than financial support we need financial support but it also helps to get the ratings and get the word out there but all joking fun aside I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly especially during these quarantine times where it's actually extremely easy to drink responsibly well, it's easy, only to, it's easy to it's easy to not drink and drive. It's more difficult to not drink an entire case by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You, yeah. Especially with the new Little Kings case that's coming out with flavored <laughs> Little Kings. Oh no! College, my college mind sees that and it's just like, yes. Uh, I I hear that and I go, Chris, I need 
we need to get together and drink an entire case of Little Kings and feel like feel, giants. Feel like giants. All right. Well, <laughs> check us out <laughs> in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. Oh, and remember to check out patreon.com slash have a drink show. Also, have a drink store.com. Uh, if you're not able to support us monthly and you do want to help support the show, you can go in there and buy a shirt, uh, iPhone case, um, hats, you know, whatever, what, whatever. And uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And the bottle is empty. I'm Christopher Walker. See you guys next time. Bye. It's caught. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> <laughs>